Hey there, world changers. Thanks for taking the time to listen in with me today, talking to you straight from the heart. And what I wanted to dive into today was applying the storytelling format of the hero's journey to what you work on. If you're not familiar with the hero's journey, it's a 12-step process that is common through all of the great tales through history and it's used in Hollywood films, it's used in TED Talks. It's just a really nice, succinct way to communicate a story, both fiction and non-fiction, that seems to be reflective of basic template of the, the way the human mind takes on new information. And the reason why it's so powerful and continues through the ages is that it appears to be a template of human thought of how we absorb information the most readily. You may have heard people say before, the way ideas spread is through stories. There's no better way to share an idea is through story. We have to use story. It's all about story. And sometimes it's kind of like, like, what do you mean it's all about story? Storytelling is really powerful. It doesn't really make sense when it's just told at you in this meta context. But what the story template is, is a vehicle in which to communicate an idea. You can communicate an idea in a, a bad way that doesn't resonate with people or just a completely factual way. These, this, this is the data. Or you can communicate it wrapped in this vehicle that really takes people on a journey that bonds with them, meets them where they are, primes their psychology. So then you can inject the big concept, take them through all the different psychological humps and eddies and roundabouts through to the, the happy ending in the end. And that's, it's, a, it's a kind of a casing that is resonant with the way we think. And just to summarize it, what it is, is it's particularly powerful in these first five steps. And then there's a sort of a middle bit that you can sort of take or leave depending on what you're trying to communicate. And then it finishes with, you know, the universe being saved in the end. I just wanted to share with you before I dive into the 12 steps, just how powerful this process was for changing my life direction. So a few years ago, about 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago, I started writing a book called The Counter Economy. Its central thesis was that you can change the world with what you buy. At that point, I thought I really wanted to be a speaker author person. And so I thought, well, I better get to work, you know, figuring out what my speeches and books are going to be about. You know, I'd always been very compelled by this idea that you can change the world with what you buy. I thought, you know, if, if corporations just bought recycled paper and not paper from rainforests, wouldn't everything be fine? If people just stopped buying all the bad shit and started buying the good shit, the problem would be solved, right? And I didn't really understand enough about the world to realize that that's a, a highly flawed assumption. And it wasn't until I was really trying to intellectually make this argument that it started to fall down. And so I got this book called Resonate from a woman called Nancy Dewart, who actually also lives in Mountain View, like me. And she has a great TED talk. That's how I found her. And I was working through her book of how to tell a story that resonates. The book Resonate explains how to apply this hero's journey to your startup or non-fiction topic. 
she teaches with her book Resonate how to apply this these 12 steps to your startup or your not-for-profit or whatever non-fiction topic you need to communicate. And now there's one step that's really challenging in the hero's journey to do for the kind of environmental stuff, let's say environmental stuff, which is number well, it's not one, it's actually a few. It's between the inmost cave. No, it's the inmost cave. And then there's another one, which is seizing the sword and the ordeal. This is the part in the movie when Luke Skywalker is in his sort of darkest moment in the cave and he wants to give up. Or you see Moana is stranded out at sea and all hope is lost. It's the point at when the hero has had a few moments of good luck and they've, made, and they've had a few losses and then they come up to a really hard problem and they fail. And then through the failure of their journey, they are trapped only with to confront their own deep inner emotional self if they have the resolve to continue. And it's that dark emotional spiritual place that is really hard to answer when you are trying to tell stories for why people should save the planet. I think it was in 2013, I was like, I'm cool. I've got the ordinary world, the call to adventure, refusal with the call, meeting the mentor, crossing the thresholds, test allies and enemies. Yep, the inmost cave. So why should you buy recycled paper? What is the deepest part of you when you're in your inner cave of you've lost everything and you're right up against confronting your mortality and your, what you are here for, meaning, purpose, that deepest, darkest moment of that one event that will define who you are. And I thought about all these things like, well, if I'm riding my bike instead of driving a car or using a reusable coffee cup or buying an organic cotton pair of undies from a small maker instead of from Target, like, why? Like, what is this all about? Why? Okay, cool. We've got it that it's a good idea for the planet, right? But in terms of who I am as a person, the deepest, the deepest part of me, of what I'm here for, why does this matter to me? Why? Or why? How can I tell it in a way that will make other people deeply care? And that is what first opened me up to the field of environmental psychology. I started thinking about ideas like altruism. Is altruism a good way to motivate people? You should buy the organic cotton undies because of altruism. And I found a paper that explained why altruism is really not a very good call to action. Because it also kind of says if you're not doing something altruistic, you're also kind of a bad person. So it involves this somewhat kind of shame psychology. And they proposed in this paper that you should use this sort of reasonable person. Like you should do it because this is what reasonable people do. That opened me up to this much deeper way of thinking about human psychology about what really did get people to, what really could get people to change. Was it something to do with identity? Are we telling people to change because it's core to people's moral identity, right? We don't want to be a bad person. Are we asking people to change because everyone else is doing it? Is it because we're a community of people moving together? Is it to do with my sense of self-esteem that somehow I believe I'm like a bad person and the only way to come out of sin is to do eco-friendly behaviours? And that ultimately all these little eco-friendly behaviours will build a positive sense of self through good habits. You know, this is really deep stuff. And unless you can really go through this step 
8, step 7 and step 8 of the hero's journey. And you can describe why people should care. It's not about the planet that's to do with their deepest spiritual and emotional self. You're not going to truly be able to captivate people with your story. And that is really, really hard to do. And whenever I'm writing something and I get to that bit, it's always like, oh, fuck. This is hard. This is really, really hard. From that moment of... My little girl's here watching movies. After I discovered these environmental psychology papers, they also helped me to understand about social norms and about feedback loops and about comparing people with each other and about how green can make you feel good and different ways it can feel bad and about metrics around guilt versus pride. And I mean, I was just hooked. I was fascinated by this stuff and how it could work with the computer science of data. And I kind of just threw out the idea of the counter economy I mean it just wasn't working I mean you can't really change the world through what you buy you can do it through action there's a lot of complexity in that argument that's partly why I am such a fan of the hero's journey because of the it has taken it has pulled me into such a deeper more intellectually complex and holistic understanding of how to make sustainability happen than I had before. I was quite simple thinking before I just had that that moment and that realization. And then over the years, I've been filling in my knowledge, my knowledge ever since, and uh, sharing it with you all here the best I the best I can. And so I suspect that if you try to really put your back into applying the hero's journey to what you work on, and you really properly try to get through those hard steps of seven and eight, you'll come out with something pretty amazing too, some kind of transcendental experience that people have of why they should do the stuff that you want them to do. Because telling people it's just because we have to, because of the planet and we should, it's actually proven to be the weakest motivator, the weakest behavioral motivator. There are many other levers that we need to pull at to get people to get their whole heart, mind and soul behind this quest we're on to make a better, a better planet. Let me jump into what the steps are. If I have adequately compelled you to take this process really, really seriously and give it great deep depth of depth of thought. Okay, so step one is, and I have this also on my Medium page. It's at uh, katiepatrick.medium.com. And if you scroll down, there should be an article called How to Tell a Story That Changes the World, I think. And it's also chapter 8B in my book. So it's all out there in a way to follow. So step one is looking at the ordinary world. Basically just saying this is where we're at now. And we do this to create a sense of common ground and empathy with the other person. Basically, you say, you're like this, I'm like this, this is where we're at. And it also opens up that things might not be that good right now, or they could be okay. And then you have a dramatic polar opposite of what the caudal adventure, call to adventure could be. Like somebody could find something on the ground or get hooked into an idea or something that will happen that kind of like shatters what is going on in the world. And it could also be telling them the dream. You know what? It doesn't have to be this way. It could be a lot better. It could be like this. Or there's a disturbance, right? And so the person, the hero, the hero is your audience. You, the storyteller, are not the hero. You do not want to tell a story about yourself. You always tell everything in terms of the journey that the audience is is taking. 
after you've conveyed these two opposites, kind of a problem solution kind of thing, then you move into refusal of the call. So you've created this kind of like dramatic call to somebody. So they're going to be thinking, this is probably crazy. You know, like it could be something like lots of people have cancer, but it doesn't have to be this way. We actually think that we can totally replace organs. And you're just like, really? And you're you're probably thinking that this sounds totally sci-fi and it's really out there, but actually it can be done. So you alleviate initial objections with the refusal of the call. And can you see how this is sort of like a natural psychological way of thinking? You have like empathy and connection, then, hey, let's come on a journey together. And then obviously the next natural thing is to be like, you sure, you know? go through some objections and then the fourth step is meeting the mentor and that's where you introduce yourself you take the role of the mentor in star wars this is yoda the whole purpose of meeting the mentor is to show that you have credibility and trust you don't want to make too much of a big deal about yourself but as the only thing to basically say you can trust me to take you over the line gandalf is actually a mentor as well in in lord of the rings so after you've been like, oh, I'm not quite sure, that doesn't sound, not sure if that sounds legit, you can be like, listen, you can trust me. I've got a degree in this. I've done this. I've done that. I know this space really well. I work with all these people. We're a super trustworthy team. Would you like to come with us on the journey deeper? So these first four steps are kind of like the sales pitch. They're setting the tone for when you take people to then jump across the threshold. And then you say, let me take you on a journey. Let's go into the heart, into the belly of the beast, whatever. And if you've done that first process well, people will be like right up against the seat being like, yes, yes, tell me, tell me why, tell me, I want to know everything. And then you go into this other world, the special world, you through your four-part sales pitch. And so now you've, you've crossed the threshold, you're like, yep, I'm coming on the journey with you. And so the next step is like test allies and enemies. I think you can honestly just add anything in here, like basically tell the story of like what's going on, why it's a good idea, have some data in there. You can talk about things that are going well, things that are, I mean, it has here like enemies, you know, like who you're up against, what is the big challenge. And then you approach the inmost cave. So you'll have like a few little tests in there about challenges and things that have gone well. And then you approach and this is the really big deal. This is what we're fundamentally up against and why it's a big challenge. And then you've got to ask people, this is the big challenge. Why should you care? This is why you should care about this. This is why you should invest your time, money, positive energy, telling people you know your emotional bandwidth because of this. So that's the very deep, hard bit that I mentioned before. And then you've got this moment that the hero makes, which is called seizing the sword, which is this moment where they either just crumple and die or whether they reach for otherworldly strength the greatest power they have in themselves to get over the giant obstacle and then they seize the sword. So you can imagine that in movies where somebody all hope is lost and then something comes to them like a vision. In Moana, it's her, the ghost of her grandmother comes on a, a stingray in the middle of the night and says something like, believe in yourself, you can do it, whatever, and then gives her a little like coin or something and then she's renewed with life and then she goes into the ultimate cataclysm at the end that she goes into. So this is when they grab it. So it could be like, you know, you just don't want to ride your bike. You don't want to sell your car to get an EV or whatever it is. But then you you just do it. You grab hold of your value system. You know who you are. You don't want to be a part of the dark side. You choose the light side. 
And that's the, the deep bit. And then we get back to the road back. Now, this one's a little bit a little bit tricky in terms of how we apply this to nonfiction. Often after this bit, I just end with the, the happy ending and then the world is saved. But you can dive in a little bit more to that. When I was writing my book, How to Save the World, I I did dive into this into this deeper and it was it was really challenge challenging. So then you're like, cool, we've toppled the beast. And then the movie could just say the end. But usually there's like another little challenge that comes on right before the end. And the other little challenge is like true spiritual mastery of the problem. It's not the big monster. It's more like a small monster. Like it could be like a cup on the side of the road. And then you're like, have you, are you tested? Did you truly master what is going on? So they go back, they rededicate as a new person. And this is another thing that happens as the hero goes through the journey. They come out the other side as a, as a different, as themselves, but as a different version of themselves. And then they share that different version of themselves to everybody else. So they go from the learner to then being the teacher. Think of Luke Skywalker. He starts at the beginning as a learner and then he goes all the way through and then he teaches the other Jedis. So they're dedicated to change in the road back. There's kind of a resurrection of the ultimate spiritual truth that it's really about. You're like, okay, it's kind of about the monster, but behind the monster, it's actually about friendship or true love or commitment or whatever sort of deeper thing that it's really about. And then they do a little bit more of a change to just sort of cement in that new person that they've become. And then they've got return with the elixir. This is when they return to the community. They're now the teacher. They share it with everybody else. And the new world has then been created. And that is the 12 steps of the hero's journey that I just never deviate from. I love it. I put it behind everything I try to communicate. I think it's really powerful. Since I started using it, everything I put out is just so much more resonant than it used to be. Even when I had a million, literally a $1 million budget for my startup, 15 full-time staff, amazing graphic designers, everything looked incredible and it was successful. But there was nothing that we told in terms of the story that was deeply compelling. Nobody's lives were changed. Nobody was moved to tears. Nobody wrote to me saying, I do everything in my life differently since I read something you did or watched a video or whatever. It was just like cool, fun stuff that we would put out. And now since I started applying this, you know, I get often people telling me that they've do everything differently in their lives. They've had these huge moments of shift in the way that they go about their environmental activism, that they got loads of ideas, that they get they get moved to tears, even though I don't try to make people cry. I don't do anything that's that emotionally deep, but I do always go for meaning and purpose, and that can be deeply resonant for people. I just want more people to use it. I want more people to look at the hero's journey. So, and I've done my best job to explain how to apply it to the non-fiction stories that we work on. So I have a look at the Medium post, katiepatrick.medium.com, uh, how to tell a story that changes the world, also in my book, and uh, start working on it. Start learning how to master being a really amazing storyteller. And thanks for listening to me, just talking to you straight from the heart. I'll see you next week. <laughs>